Hi, Steve here. I'm going to talk about some things that you may have never heard before, and not because there aren't any scriptures to prove it, but because it's about things that nobody wants to think about. And you can hardly blame anyone if you really find out what I'm talking about here. Because of the rarity of what I'm going to tell you, you'll need to rely on the Bible and compare scripture with scripture. You're going to have to get rid of all your preconceived ideas. God is the author and originator of life, and that's a fact that the Bible leaves no question about. But most people are not aware that the scriptures also reveal that we live in a universe where not all life forms are the product of His creative hand. While God is God, and He is sovereign, His will is not the only will in operation. There's the will of the devil and the will of man. And for the time being, God has allowed some rebellious factions to continue. Now, I'm not going to say that counterfeit life forms are plentiful or numerous. I'm just saying they do exist. And now, with science taking the most perverted and twisted paths, we're going to start seeing shocking and unbelievable evidence all around us. If we really study we find out there have been a number of unique life forms whose origins evidently fall outside of the will of God. In other words, their existence is not a natural result of life having multiplied after its own kind, like it says in Genesis chapter 1. So the creation of these, whatever you want to call them, has come about by other means. God's will for the propagation of life is that life multiply after its own kind. Any life which doesn't conform in some way to this initial safeguard is life outside the will of God. You may be asking if anything like this is possible. Well, yes, the Bible provides plenty of evidence that supports this. And this is a topic that very few people have ever written about. You never hear about it in a church. The first biblical occurrence of counterfeit life creation shows that it can result from the union of two or more of five of the life classes created by God. I've mentioned this before in a past lesson about supernatural angelic beings having sex with terrestrial earthbound beings, and you can read about this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. And for all the preachers, pastors, and evangelists, and anybody else that tries to teach the Bible, they have to ignore these verses and just ignore what the Bible says in order to say, that can't happen. There were giants, and we have proof from archaeologists who have dug up to 30-foot giant skeletons. You don't see a lot of this in the news, in fact, hardly ever. The Bible shows that giants were not a natural result of mankind reproducing after its own kind. They were the product of two life forms which were never meant to be mixed, angels and men. So many Christians have never heard the idea that angels have anything to do with that passage, but the fact that the fruit of these unions produced whole races of super beings says something out of the ordinary happened. I think that we just don't want to think about something that could be so horrendous and yet real. So many Bible versions, including the Schofield Bible, have tried to explain it away and, and make it very palatable. Let's talk about some of the errors that he either knowingly or unknowingly changed about the scriptures. Schofield said that it's asserted that the title Sons of God is in the Old Testament and exclusively used for angels. The terminology, sons of God, is only found five times in the Old Testament. Every single verse is a reference to the angel. 
But the title Sons of God is used throughout the Bible to describe three distinct types of sons of God. The only begotten Son of God, Psalm 2-7, Hebrew 1-5, 1 John 4-9. Then we have the adopted sons of God, talking about born-again Christians, Romans 8-14 through 15. Then we have the directly created sons of God, Genesis 1-27, 2-7, Luke 3-38, Joel 2-1, and 38-7. So contrary to Schofield's objections, the title Son of Gods or Sons of Gods with wording in that exact order is exclusively used and it's referring to angels in the Old Testament. Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair, the number they were beautiful, and they took wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit will not always strive with man, for he is also flesh, and his days will be 120 years. And then verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same, being mighty men, were of old men renowned. These verses teach several things that you never heard about. The sons of God have the potential of being enticed and led astray due to the beautiful appearance of the earthly daughters of men. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 8 through 10, where the Apostle Paul says, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. For this cause, because the woman was created for the man, a woman ought to have power on her head because of the angels. Here's an interesting warning regarding angels and their potential interest in human women. Think about this. It was only the sons of God that took the daughters of men. And it was only this combination that could produce literal giants. Genesis 6 shows us that there were no daughters of God taking the sons of men because there are no female angels. This means that there was only one place where the carnal lust of the supernatural creatures could be satisfied. Earth. Early on, when the sons of God first began to take wives, many women probably had no idea they were meeting with fallen angels. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2? He said, Don't be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels without even realizing it. Angels can have the appearance of man. The angelic sons of God can sire children with human women. This conclusion causes such an uproar with so many believers. It's never been taught before. Citing Isaiah 43.6 as a proof text to overthrow the fact that angels are the rightful owners of the Old Testament sons of God designations is where you find the real error with Schofield and his Schofield Bible. Isaiah 43.6 doesn't use the title explicitly, but it only implies its meaning. But to cite the verse to show that the sons of God in Genesis 6 are not angels after the Old Testament provides three other references of the exact same wording saying that they are angels, it's a scriptural distortion and it's a sloppy doctrine. The second error of Schofield is that angels are spoken of in a sexual way. No female angels are mentioned in scripture and we're told that marriage is unknown among angels in Matthew 22:30. Well, that's not exactly what Jesus said. Schofield's insinuation that angels are spoken of in a sexless way couldn't be further from the truth when you say sexless means neither male nor female. Well, that's just not true. When Schofield said marriage is unknown among angels, that's only half true. 
It's true that marriage is unknown among angels, for they all being males can't intermarry, but only the obedient angels of God in heaven do not marry at all. Look at the whole verse that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 29 through 30. He said, you do error not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. He's not talking about the fallen angels who are not in heaven. These verses can be used to teach that death will be unknown to glorified saints because death is unknown among heavenly angels. But you can't use these verses to teach that marriage and death are unknown among fallen angels, for these are the angels that sin, which are destined to die like men. Why? Because the angels that sinned are the demagogues and principalities that committed fornication with the daughters of men. In other words, if an angel of God in heaven makes the decision to sin, he forfeits his immortality. Some angels are immortal and cannot die, but others which have fallen are mortal and will die like men. 2 Peter 2, 4, Peter said, If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment. The Schofield Bible study notes to eliminate the angelic element from Genesis 6 not only misleads the reader on the proper identity of the early sons of God, but it also leaves an inexplicable mystery on how mere humans could produce a race of literal giants via the one-way marriage of supposed godly men with godless women. This is why he completely ignores the reality of the giants. And so many people have never been taught the truth. Notice that Genesis 6, 4 doesn't say that the sons of men came in unto the daughters of God. The whole reason it talks about these giants being men of renown was not the godliness or the ungodliness of their parents. It was the fact that their fathers were the original sons of God, the angels. So the obvious question to Schofield is that if the men of Genesis 6 are so godly, why are they the instigators of the sin? This proves that these sons of God were not godly, but they were ungodly. So Schofield's reasoning is just ridiculous. Humans begetting literal giants would be the only conclusion left. People and church leaders have chosen this interpretation because they don't want to believe the verse's true meaning. So they resort to scriptural backflips and Bible contortionism to make irrational statements in order to escape facing the reality of these verses. I wonder what people think when they see the actual pictures in real time of the skulls and bones that archaeologists have dug up of these 30-foot giants. So the angels saw how beautiful the daughters of men were and the fallen angels recognized that they could satisfy their carnal lusts and in their evil minds it seemed like they'd be able to reproduce their own kind. But the resulting soon created the first abomination, a counterfeit life form, the giant. Think about it. Are you reading the headlines? International threats, war in Israel, corruption here at home. When will it end? The trouble is, it might end in disaster. And when the future is unstable, access to food can be limited. You have to secure your own supply. 
Thanks to My Patriot Supply, you can. My Patriot Supply is the largest preparedness company in the country, and they're dropping the price of their top-selling three-month emergency food kit. Get a delicious variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and more for $200 off. These meals offer 2,000 calories every day. To prepare them, just add water and heat. They buy in bulk, then they pass the savings on to you. Visit preparewiththinkaboutit.com and save $200 on your food security. It's better than any kind of insurance you possibly have. Order by 3 p.m. for free, same-day shipping, preparewiththinkaboutit.com.